We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. It's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV. And you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code Dace. Friends, Steve Dace here. And if you're following the news, sometimes it feels like the whole world can literally change for the worse overnight. With what's likely coming for our country, there's one thing you should do, and that's prepare. When you're more self-reliant, you're closer to freedom from any national crisis, job loss, or economic downturn. But where do you start, and who can you trust? Let me make this clear. Building an emergency food supply to feed yourself and your family is a wise first step. And our friends at My Patriot Supply will help you prepare. Get a four-week emergency food supply for only $99, shipped free. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-prepare food. Order today, 888 or online at preparewithcr.com. Build your emergency food supply for only $99. Limit two units per caller. 888-457-3453 or online at preparewithcr.com. Now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Monday here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Also, it's our last week here on the Salem Radio Network. Looking forward to our move to CRTV, which begins on February the 27th. You don't want to miss an episode. Trust me, if you think this show is average, wait till you see the mediocrity we're bringing to the table when you get a multimedia presentation every single weekday. Subscribe to CRTV.com now. Go to CRTV.com. You can get to our show, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Mark Stein, Stephen Crowder, and and... Then there's these guys. So just go to CRTV.com. Use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, promo code DACE to get your subscription discount. Don't miss an episode starting February the 27th. We're excited. We're not planning on missing an episode either, but we have to be there. I get the sense we're going to do here to start the show tonight. We may have to do several times. Well, let me rephrase this. I'm hoping... We're going to have to do this several times. What do I mean by that? Well, here's the reality. Whether you like it or not, if you have any semblance of a right of center viewpoint in America, some portion 
of your hopes and dreams hinge on the success of the Trump presidency? That is simply a fact. It's it's not a fact I would prefer. I the mercurial nature, the capricious nature, the immaturity, the antics that we are seeing over the last week or so that are beyond debilitating. Do not sh- do they shock you? Anybody here at the show? Do they shock any of us? No, we're and it's shocked. why we were never no. Trump in the first yes, place. I, I, we, I, I predicted much of what we're seeing now would happen only because I've never seen somebody govern differently in terms of their behavior than how they campaigned. You've heard me say this a million times. You'll hear me say it a million more. But in, you don't always get to choose the soldiers you go to war with. Sometimes you go to war with the soldiers that you have because the war is worth fighting. I'm never going shill, really for anybody. It's just not in my nature. But I also recognize that at this point in time, we don't have another election for two years, another presidential election for four years. So at this point in time, he is, to some extent, the necessary vehicle to drive what we believe. He's it. Not the model I would have chose, but... I don't get to make those choices. I'm not almighty God. I'm not the majority of the American people. So it is what it is. This is why I'm going to do my best to work within the framework we have. That's why Never Trump for our show was retired the day after the election. That's why we ceded to the wisdom of the American people. That's why we're taking this on a week-to-week basis. Last week can't be repeated, but I'm sure it will be. It's just unavoidable. It's the personality of the guy who's in charge. But it can't be repeated in consecutive weeks. And it certainly can't be repeated in successive weeks. These sorts of interventions and recalibrations that we're going to conduct on the air tonight, I hope we have a chance to do them several times the next four years, because that'll meant that he survived. And And just the way he operates will require these things. And you know what? That's okay to some extent. We all have blind spots. We all have weaknesses. Therefore, by the grace of God, go I. None of us is perfect. No matter who was elected into that office, that was our vehicle. They would need to have a team of people around them to cover those blind spots and their weaknesses. His just happened to be so in the open. Because his personality dominates everything. You can't get away from it. It's pop culture, social media, even without the bully pulpit of the White House. It is all encompassing. He's like a, it's like a cross between Big Brother and Max Hedrum. He's everywhere you look. You can't look away. You can't walk away. Most of that's not his fault. Some of it is. We can't focus on the things that aren't his fault, not in the realm of changeability. Can't change the weather we've talked about, can't change an environment. What you have to do is figure out what that environment is and conduct yourself accordingly. What happened last week, which is carrying over into this week with some things we're going to talk about here with Weekend News and Views in a few minutes, is worrisome to me. Because I want to see more things like the immigration crackdown that we saw over the weekend Just one crackdown in Southern California found 94%, 94% of the illegals that they targeted had 
criminal histories beyond just being here illegally. 94%. Five of them were serious sex offenders, including child sex offenders. What should be happening right now is the Trump White House should be rolling the press on this. All the all the leftist pearl clutching should be going on. All the we can't believe you're doing this. That they should be planting the flag and putting the boot to the throat on this issue. That should have been the only thing talked about on the Sunday morning shows yesterday. But it's not. And I can always tell when I post something that you like that you guys haven't heard before. Because if you go to my Facebook wall, I posted the link to this immigration raid on a Sunday morning before I went to church. It is by far the most read, trafficked, and shared item on our Facebook wall right now. And, you, and, and it's not opinion. All right? It's not an opinion piece. It's a news piece. You know what that tells me then? You guys didn't know this. You guys woke up on Sunday morning and you were like, hey, this is cool. And you start sharing. Now, when I say you didn't know this, I'm not criticizing you. I, you're making my point for me. It's not in the news. Well, Steve, the media doesn't want to cover that. He has the largest bully pulpit on the planet. That personality we were just talking about, that all-encompassing Max Hedrum, big brother, you can't look away, it's in every sector of every screen of every room, he owns that. He doesn't need the press to get his message out. He is it. He is the, he is the press. He's the platform. It's like Ravi Zacharias says, the media is the message. He's the media and the message. But, but they've got to have people in that White House that are smart, mature, have at least some modicum of integrity that can keep them on message. James Comey is a major reason Hillary Clinton lost. But he's not why Donald Trump won. Those are two different things. For years, the press said, I was why Mike Huckabee won Iowa. And I've always told you, I don't do humble brags. I don't do false bravado. It's not the way I roll. I will do self-deprecation, however, because I am concerned about my ego getting out of check. That's my own self-defense mechanism. So when I tell you I'm not why Mike Huckabee won the Iowa caucuses, that's not some humble brag. Oh, That's not for me to hear you say, oh, yeah, Steve, yes, you did. You're great. No, that's not what it is. I didn't. Radio hosts don't win elections. I'm Now, I did do something in that Iowa caucus. I'm why Mitt Romney lost. I am why he lost. Nobody else had the money, resources to do the opposition research on him that my show did for those six months. We're why he lost. But candidates win elections. I could have put Mike Huckabee on every day for three hours. And I almost did. But if he came on and was a tool, folks have been like, well, maybe what you're saying about that Romney guy is true, but this guy's a this guy's a schlep. I'm not voting for this guy. Mike Huckabee had to win. I caught I'm the reason Romney lost Iowa, but Mike Huckabee had to win. James Comey is why Hillary lost. His letter at the end, days before the election, when she was coasting, brought all of her negatives to the four, to the fore. But he's not why Trump won. Trump and his team, and we said this on election night, deserve credit. Those last few days, they were on message. No antics. He worked like the Dickens. 
campaign practically 24 hours, and they didn't go all over the place. They concentrated Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. The places that delivered them the presidency is where they spent all their time. He stayed out of the cray-cray. He stayed on message. He was as presidential as he's probably capable of being, so that when people were, when James Comey reminded the American one people one more time, Hillary Clinton is a flat, broke crook. Which they've known. But remember, the election was a, was, a, was a contest between corrupt and crazy. They said, okay, we can't vote for this crook. But then there's this Trump guy. Is he crazy? And they looked at him in those last few days. And you know what he wasn't? Crazy. And he won. He's got to get back to that. There can't be more weeks like this last one. At least not for a while. You're listening to Steve Dace. class meet your worst nightmare i'm having these dreams but i'm scared steve dace so what do i mean by this performance can't continue and it's already starting to carry over well we talked last week in fact friday's show i think was an accurate reflection of how this week had gone and i know some of you are like well man steve you're up and down I'm at, I'm think I'm giving you an accurate reflection of what's going on. I, I remember years ago when I owned an Iowa State sports magazine and website, and their athletic director at the time, a guy named Bruce Vandeville, they had to replace Larry Eustachio, got caught drinking natty lights with co-eds in the middle of the night when his team's busting back from a game against Missouri, and he gets fired for it. And so at the end of the season, he's got to go out and hire a basketball coach, and he was literally coming to literally coming. They were doing the interviews in Des Moines. He was literally coming to my house after they were interviewing coaches to 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 tell me what was going on. He was my source. I couldn't have a better source in how the coaching search was going than that, the guy doing the search. So I'd find out from him what's going on. I'd post it on our website, and and then like the next day I'd post up that totally contradicted what I posted yesterday. You look, you're nuts. You're just making this up. Well, you know I can't burn my source and just tell him, guys. I think this is inaccurate. I'm, I'm trust me. This is how nuts this coaching search is. If I say that, though, I burn my source. People, are, I, I, I'm getting it right from the horse's mouth, guys. You know what I'm trying to say? So, I, I was, and and the Wayne Morgan era, the guy ended up hiring, kind of ended up being like that. So if we're up and down, you know, last week I gave him a B, this week I gave him an F. I, I think we're just kind of following the ebbs and flows of this thing. Can I say one quick thing about that? I mean, these people say that if they have kids, I, I, I'm rearing them. That's up and down too. Sometimes you, God gave me a perfect angel. That's an idiot. I can't believe that's my project. You know that that's life. Why? What part Uh, of life are you just think it's on cruise control? A month ago, I was gonna I was gonna Rapunzel Anna, our teenager. I mean, I'll see when you're I'll see when you're eighteen, and let you and we'll let you let your hair down from the window, and somebody can climb up and get you out of my house. Okay, and and now it's like we're we're hugging on each other, loving each other. She's my princess again. That's yeah. That that is the nature of human relationships to some extent so that's a great point Todd his personality though is more of this than we have seen from someone that's really ever held that office and it could be that maybe his personality's not as different as we think but his media persona is so dominant that we're more aware of it than we've ever been to that it, it could be a mixture of those things all right um and and so what we're going to do is is next hour I'm going to suggest three simple courses of action 
and not even like radical Steve Day stuff that we think they can do that we know that they won't. I'm not even going to do that. These are all things they could actually do that are simple. Baby steps to the presidency. Yes. And and doesn't require any sort of Steve Dace, Daniel Horowitz, Horowitz wish casting from conservative review. The one that when we get, you know, it doesn't require any Roy Hobbesian heroics. They just have to hit a hit a base hit. That's all. A couple base hits that I think would change the whole narrative. Okay. Because what we're getting into now, guys, is as we start talking about what happened over the weekend, which is a continuation of what happened last week. I'm concerned he will get palinized. All of pop culture now is a is a takedown operation of Trump. All of it is. And it's if it's not just Meryl Streep being an elitist, but then you're up against an entire zeitgeist, that's tough for one person to beat even with someone with the personality that he has that's now where you're the foil they're not your foil you're theirs and his base is dispirited and there's ways that he can go back on offense but it requires going on offensive on the issues and that's not what we saw over the weekend Aaron no, that's not. Uh, this is, we'll start with uh, Mike Flynn, the story that uh, developed, started developing uh, late last week. Who has been a week. problem from day one. Gave and a this, terrible, they tried to highlight him at the convention. Remember, he gave a terrible speech yeah. at the convention. I don't know. And this is where, this is, you, you know, we thought that this guy's issue would be he would just discard people too quickly. Mm-hmm. I think we need to go, I, I, that needs to actually be the problem. He has a tendency to just hold on to people. Far beyond their usefulness, I think it's because he just doesn't want to admit he's wrong about anything. This guy's been an albatross for months. His son is nuts. Uh, his son has embarrassed Trump not once but twice via social media with the Pizzagate crap and then the Muslim ban crap just two weeks ago. His son is nuts, had to shut down his Twitter account. And, and this guy is an albatross. And now it's calling into account the credibility of the vice president. This is not The Apprentice where Donald Trump can say you're fired and not be questioned by the media because he's worried about um, being or, uh, looking bad by um, admitting a mistake with firing somebody. The White House is reviewing whether to retain national security advisor Mike Flynn amid a furor over his contacts with Russian officials before Donald Trump, President Trump, took office. It's according to administration officials over the weekend. Mr. Flynn has apologized to the White House colleagues over the episode, which has created a rift with Vice President Mike Pence and averted attention from the administration's message to his own dealings. Uh, Mr. Trump's views towards the matter aren't clear. In recent days, he has privately told people the controversy surrounding Mr. Flynn is unwelcome. After he told uh, reporters on Friday he would look into the disclosures. But Trump has also said he has confidence in Mike Flynn and wants to keep moving forward. Close Trump advisor Steve Bannon had dinner with uh, Mike Flynn over the weekend, according to another senior administration official. And Bannon's view is to keep him in the position, but be ready to let him go. Flynn initially said that in a conversation on December 29th with the Russian adva- uh, with a Russian ambassador, he didn't discuss sanctions imposed that day by outgoing the uh, outgoing Obama administration, which were levied in retaliation for alleged Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. Flynn now concedes that he did indeed have contact with that Russian ambassador. 
after transcripts of his phone calls show as much. He should be gone. Uh, this, this, the fact that this, he wasn't gone right away. It, 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 I just, it, it, it's, there's not a good reason for it. In fact, even more so, he's a freaking soldier. He shouldn't have to be told you're gone. Where is his honor? He should have submitted his resignation and fallen on his sword and played the good soldier on this already. Because now, did Pence lie for him, or, or, did you, or did you lie to Pence? Now, this is an unneeded distraction from a guy that literally brings nothing to the table but a net negative. He should be gone, and he should have had the honor to fall on his sword already, Todd, in my view. All true, but I think here's the irony of the pop culture zeitgeist that you were talking about. I didn't watch uh, the Sunday shows. I'm going based on my uh, my Twitter feed and, and catching up to speed. But is, is the left focusing their ire in any large degree on this? I mean, they are all so distracted by so many other things that the thing that both sides are supposed to come together on and police one another on to keep each other honest, yeah, th- this is serious. This is heavy lifting. This is our national security advisor. I, I'm just not seeing this as the priority of the ire of we, the opposition. You cannot analyze everything from a binary construct. Just because the left is attacking on every front and not focusing on this doesn't mean it's debilitating. We have a president with a 40% approval rating who got elected with a 38% approval rating. He has the worst approval rating of all time. In many respects, the left is irrelevant in how the country views no, Trump. I just, he has his own independent entity now. He's the president. I just think that this speaks to the reason why he won't do anything. He won't see it as a problem because no one's tweeting about it. Then it will continue to hurt him. You're listening to Steve Dace. of principles Steve Dace I think I better understand the point you were making Todd which is Trump is now living in this binary world in your case in your view right so if the left is not focused on Flynn then maybe it's not that big of a deal that's exactly how Flynn will continue to hurt him the American people in many respects don't really care what the left thinks about Trump they've already they've already rejected that we just had an election what they care is how they think about Trump. What Trump cannot do is reinforce the stereotypes. Let me rephrase, step back. The, the, peop, the American people will care what the left and pop culture says about Trump if he and his administration reinforce their stereotypes to provide them credibility. If Sean Spicer's response to being panned on Saturday Night Live is not to laugh it off, and say imitation's the highest form of flattery, and realize you're the White House freaking spokesperson. You get the last word every day, bro. But instead, if he's got little man's disease, if he shows us and says it's not fair, it's these are unhealthy attacks, well, now you have just given Melissa McCarthy enough credibility to come back and do it to you again this week. That's where the zeitgeist hurts, is when they live up or down to what the narrative the left and pop culture are trying to set for them. They have to defy it. They cannot play into it. If Trump thinks because Democrats are trying to show they're fighting on every front to appease their base, that therefore Mike Flynn's not an albatross, your national security advisor lied to you about the, the level of contact he had with a foreign government 
in a presidential election, one that there is at least prima facie evidence we have, was at least interested in alternate, trying to engineer or influence an outcome, whether or not they actually had the ability to do it or not. You're fired. I took an oath of office for the presidency of the United States. I don't give a flat rip what the Huffington Post thinks about this. You lied to me. Last one out. Don't let the door. Hey, don't let the don't let the door hit you with the good Lord split you. Get out of my sight. And only because it will it will embarrass me will I not eradicate you from the memory banks of the Pentagon as commander in chief. So you keep your mouth shut. I'll keep my mouth shut. Don't ever darken my door again. And so help me God, if I ever see your kid on Twitter ever again, I'm going to make you regret that you ever enlisted in the military. How you like them apples? That's what he needs to do. If he sees himself as a binary construct, he will tie himself right to this zeitgeist, and it eventually will overcome him. We saw this before in the George W. Bush. I'm watching this play itself out. This is the last half of the last term of the George W. Bush administration on Iraq. And he just didn't have the power of personality to go stand out there and say, damn it, we're trying to defend the the American people. He didn't have the Tamar. And so they sent, they sent Dick Cheney out there to mumble instead. And it looked like a shadow of president. Okay. And, and they played right into it. And what was the narrative? Bush is dumb. He's lost control. He's, and then so Dick Cheney goes out there. And, and the media said, thanks. You reinforced exactly what we're trying to say. They have to defy this. Trump's, it, Trump is not trying to. His, he, is, he is too focused on the media. He needs he, he using the media as your foil is one thing. Allowing them to determine your sense of worth is entirely another. His audience is the American people. Maybe, you know, we kind of laughed at this notion that he'd be out there doing rallies as president. Maybe that's actually not such a bad idea. Maybe it's not such a bad idea to get out of the bathrobe at the Mar-a-Lago and get out of his underwear over at the White House watching the shows. Maybe it's not a bad idea to start going to, to I'm not I'm not kidding. Maybe it's not a bad idea to hit the road. And do some rallies with everyday Americans in Louisville, Kentucky, man. Madison, or Mil- well, don't go to Madison. You know, uh, you know. Yeah, no. Mishawaka, Indiana. You know what I'm trying to say? Maybe that's a good, and, and, and hear from the, get out. He is, you can see the bunker mentality, the cocoon mentality. All right. Where his power of personality works is when he can overreach that cocoon and reach directly to the American people. Right now, they're just all circling the same drain, Todd, and he's a salmon swimming upstream against that. Case in point, look who they sent out to to apologize for him over the weekend, Eric. Yeah, Stephen Miller. He's been in the news a little bit uh, since the inauguration, often paired with uh, Steve Bannon, one of uh, Trump's chief advisors. Over the weekend, the 31-year-old Miller got his biggest exposure yet as he appeared on the circuit of uh, Sunday talk shows to defend Trump's policies. Trump was a huge fan. He tweeted, Congratulations, Stephen Miller, on representing me this morning on the various Sunday morning shows. Great job! Exclamation point. He was terrible. He was terrible. This is one of the uh, exchanges uh, Miller had on Face the Nation. The result of this, though, is that our opponents, the media, and the whole world will soon see, as we begin to take further actions, that the powers of the president to protect our country are very substantial and will not be questioned. I think the last time someone said the powers of this office to protect you will not be questioned. Uh, his name was Palpatine. It was the inter, it was the intergalactic Senate guys. I, I mean this this was a parody. This th- th- these performances by this Miller guy. I'll have more to say about this here in a moment. I, I probably need. It would probably be good for me to gather myself and pause before I speak. So this ill-timed commercial came at the perfect time. So it gives me time. I will pause, reflect, 
and then recalibrate myself when we come back. You're listening to Steve Dace. Don't mind us. There's only the future of the country at stake. You're listening to Steve Dace. So we're in week four. How many different people have we seen on, on the national media circuit speaking for the White House on all these shows already in week four? He, is, 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 is this Stephen Miller guy like fourth team? Now, uh, some people I respect a lot like Daniel Horowitz know Stephen Miller and think he's great on the issues, things of that nature. Uh, apparently, he's been influential behind the scenes and helping crafting messaging and things of that nature. He should remain behind the scenes. Uh, he... He he was a caricature of every arrogant, douchey millennial you cannot stand. Aaron, would you agree with me on this? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it just it was it was over the top, and it looked like he was reading cue cards. Jay Caruso at Red State wrote that. I completely agree. You don't say the powers of the presidency will, of the president will not be questioned. You know what you say? The will of the American people will not be questioned. They elected Donald Trump to protect them. And he has shown early in his presidency, he is serious about keeping his promise. And he will keep his promise to the American people to follow through on their will. That's what you say. Not about you. It's about the people. The secret sauce of Trump's success is he figured out a way, despite being an elitist billionaire who lives in a Xanadu, he figured out how to be a man of the people. He made it about you. And so when Mitt Romney couldn't remember how many houses he owned, you thought, I freaking hate that canoe. He looks like every guy that's ever fired me from every job. Hate that guy. When Trump stands up there and can't remember how many billions he's worth, you're like, that guy is sweet. I want to be like him. Trump has figured out how to be a man of the people. So you put your power and your authority into the hands of the people. And you make the other side argue with them, not with you. That's terrible messaging. That's exactly how that's exactly now how you'll get more rallies from the left, except this time now you've given them some Meryl Streep elitism to rally behind. So they're not just a caricature now. You've you've given them a bitter clinger remark. Don't do that. He's an this guy's an amateur. Maybe he's a great speechwriter. I don't know. But this is not being the face of the most powerful office. This was an epic fail. And I think Mr. Trump is going to have to, going to have to, just has to, guys. He doesn't get his way all the time. You're the president. You don't always get your way. Some things you have to say no to because the risk of saying yes is just too great. Here's something he's going to have to say no to. The number one thing this White House needs more than anything else is a major increase in an upflow in messaging talent. Number one thing it needs, precisely because you can't have Trump out there all the time. He's his best messenger, but you'll get Trump fatigue. He's grading after a while. He's everywhere. You can't get away from him. You want to hear alternative voices. The one great voice they have is Kellyanne. I love her to death. My fear is her integrity is shot. I hope I'm wrong. I think it was wise, for example, to keep her off the last this last week. And I think that was smart putting this guy on and just to let her have a cooling off period. The, the, and this guy, though, is not your replacement. But but this is where Donald Trump's going to have to say, you don't have to defend my cray-cray. I'll defend that myself. You defend our policies. 
if you let Sean Spicer and heaven help me, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna feel empathy for Sean Spicer because I love America. Okay, so I'm gonna do this for a moment against my better judgment. You should get you need to give Sean Spicer permission when he's asked in a White House press briefing about Trump tweeting about Nordstrom's dropping his daughter's fashion line. You need to give him permission to say the following. Donald Trump is a father like any other father. He's a parent like any other parent. Can't blame a parent for wanting to defend their children. Sometimes we, you know, maybe go overboard in doing so. Sometimes we don't go overboard enough. I'm certainly not going to judge the president for wanting to defend his daughter who he thinks is being unfairly treated. If you want to address that with the president, next time he has a press avail, you should ask him about it. But here, this is the official White House press briefing. And we have a limited amount of time every day to deal with the substantive issues that are going to determine the future course and direction of this country and what's best for the American people. And that's where my focus is. And I'll answer any questions you may have on the, on, along those lines. And that's it. See, the press would actually let you get away with that. It's Trump that won't. It's Trump that won't let you get away with it. And Toddy's going to have to give his proxies room to not have to affirm his ego every single time. Otherwise, the caliber of talent is going to make Scotty Hughes and Katrina Pearson look like freaking Tony Snow. Okay, it, it, He's got to give them room to separate themselves from, his, from some aspects of his personality. This is the biggest lost leader of the Trump administration by... Far. It's not even close. You you need to be good at this no matter what. But based on all the polling, the public has given you – they have no respect for the press. They've given you permission, and they want you to pull their pants down. And not only is that not happening, this feckless press is actually pulling your pants down. They've managed to reverse this. Because you're playing into the narrative they want to set for you. It's nonsense. You, you should be doing the opposite. You need, and this is theater. You need It, it goes way beyond. And it's, it's like, Steve, you talk about it. We have to come on the show and we have to know what we're talking about, the facts. But what are you doing? You say, what is the show about? You are entertaining. Mm-hmm. That holds true there, too. You have got to be able to hold court. You have got to be able to, uh, while with a smile on your face, while having a good time, yes, rip their jugular out and hold it to the public. But Spicer you know, doesn't just, have that ability. You know, it's not even close. I can't believe he's he, got he's getting, so badly he's, he's, wrong. He, he, I, I can, because I know him. Uh, he, he's getting Christie. That Spicer, that Trump did, oh. and company did not have a better team. He's getting Christied. And, you know, we all enjoy the humiliation of Chris Christie, but he also did it while standing behind Donald Trump and not standing in front of a podium with a seal that said White House. Okay? He's, an, you don't want, you don't want that, you don't want the guy who is your point person to the public getting Chris Christie level of humiliation. And that is what is happening right now. Now, I don't think Sean Spicer is capable of even doing what I suggested anyway. They're going to have to get somebody better in that job. But they will not get somebody better. In th- Why is Sean Spicer willing to just completely get humiliated on, on national television every day for Donald Trump? Because he was willing to completely get humiliated and worm tongue for Reince Priebus. He's a worm tongue. That's what he does. That's who he is. You're not going to do any better than that, though. Unless President Trump has got to give his proxies permission to differentiate themselves from the policies of the White House and his personal business. He has got to do this, guys. If he doesn't do this, then his persona will end up drowning this White House. People will get Trump fatigue. Voters will, be, will get exasperated. 
and they will move on. The mob is fickle, guys. It's very fickle. He has got to give them permission, Todd, to draw that boundary. And one quick point. While I understand making the point of picking on Fox News or and all those companies first, sooner or later, no, you just you go in and you pick on MSNBC first. Let's do this because I'm better at this than that, you, right? Well, that's what people thought they were getting out of Trump. I mean, if I stood up there, the first people I'd call in every day would be MSNBC yep. and Huffington Post just to set the stage and fire a shot across the bow every day. You're listening to Steve Dace. The time to fight is now. Always the Steve Day Show. By case in point, you know, right from the beginning, I asked you guys a question. Is, could we reach a stage in the Trump presidency where his personality, the advantage it gives him of being able to override and undo phony media narratives and distract from what could be troubling news, ends up, though, cuts both ways, or it's a double-edged sword, where then eventually it ends up distracting the public from the good news, too. And so that's all they're talking about. Could we reach that point? We kind of theorize. Maybe we could, we have reached that point. It's week four. We've reached that point. Because, Aaron, our next story should be, frankly, the crowning achievement of the first month of the Trump presidency. Should be what went down over the weekend in several states. Which was, I'm keeping my promise. Mm-hmm. We're cleaning this up. And look what we have found. Look what we found in the People's Republic of California. Look how many criminals we found. Not just people who are criminals because they broke the law by coming here or remaining here, but perform criminal acts while they were here. This should have been the, the flag pointer. This should have been the Jimmy kick right to the left. All weekend long, we should have all been enjoying all the pearl clutching and screaming and ranting like we did after the election, the meltdowns they had. That is how the last 48 hours should have gone. This should have been the number one story in America. Yeah, federal immigration officials say 160 people were arrested across the Southland, South California, over the weekend during a crackdown targeting, quote, criminal aliens, illegal, illegal reentrance, and immigration fugitives. The arrests took place in six counties during what U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement officials described as a five-day targeted enforcement operation that began Monday and wrapped up around noon. Now, this is the kryptonite of this story that the left will, would not have been able to touch. Of the 160 arrested, about 150 had criminal histories, while five more had either been previously deported or had final orders of removal. Many of those arrested had prior felony convictions for quote, serious or violent offenses, including child sex crimes and assault. The arrestees, which were 95% male, included nationals from a dozen countries, according to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. This officials. is this is it. And, 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 and let me go back to the Stephen Miller thing. This is his issue. You know how Daniel Horowitz knows him? Because this is Miller's issue, immigration. His name this weekend should have been 
Stephen, we, re- we arrested 94% of people who have broken the law and should have been deported, including five child sex offenders, Miller. Like, that should have been his an- Like, Steve Forbes' answer to every question was right. the flat tax. Every, what do you think about climate change? Well, I think it's amazing that if you, it's, it's amazing how much better the climate will be if you get rid of the 94% of criminal aliens. We have. Every freaking answer should have been this topic, Tom. Everything! The power of Everything. the president will not be doubted. But that's what we got instead. Instead of you know what? The president promised the American people he would use the authority they vested in him to protect them. And look what we did in California this weekend. That wasn't the message, though. And that's why you're in the position you're in. You're listening to Steve Dace. Now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale panels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Don't forget, it's our last week here at Salem. We have been more than gracious hosts for us the last 15 months, and we greatly appreciate that. But CRTV has called and said, uh, we are bringing you home. So we are going full board to CRTV, along with Michelle Malk and Mark Stein. Uh, the great one, Mark Levin and Steven Crowder, beginning February 27th. Don't miss an episode. Don't miss an episode. Use promo code DACE to get your subscription now for the brand new Steve Dace Show on CRTV beginning February the 27th. That's D-E-A-C-E. And also, remember, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. So last week or last hour, we were pretty critical, and I, I think it was, um, at least I hope it was, um, measured but necessary. Things are not going well right now. And when you see stories like the one that popped up this afternoon, someone got close enough to the nuclear football at the Mar-a-Lago over the weekend, a total civilian. That was a guest of Trump's. They took a photo of it and posted it on their Facebook wall. <sighs> That's when the momentum starts going against you. That's when George H.W. Bush chokes on a foreign ship to trip to Japan in the middle of an election that he's losing. That's when, you know, uh, or he can't remember how to use the supermarket checkout counter, which that story never took place anyway, but was totally made up. But it became part of the narrative, right? When these sorts of anecdotal things start going against you, that's when it's there's a snowball effect, okay? That's when people roll their eyes. They need to change the momentum here badly, badly. And let me explain a couple of things because, because Todd and I had this argument actually before the show started healthy one, but cause he's going to, his, his perspective on this, you guys should have heard what I thought about this about an hour before the show started tonight. All right. So I'm not going to say Todd won the argument, but I am going to say he at least caused me to reconsider the tenor of my own. Okay. Just DEFCON three instead of DEFCON four. Yeah, That's yes, all. Yes. So uh, it's more measured than it would have been had we done this show an hour ago. All right. But just to provide some context, so if you're if you're like Todd, days chill, it's only week four. Let me provide you some data that, to give you at least a, even if you don't agree with me, so you know where I'm coming from and, and why I'm concerned about this, okay? 
Trump was elected with the highest negatives ever by a presidential campaign winner, 38 percent approval. There's nobody even close to that. Hillary's were even better. It's the first time I know of in modern American history, the candidate that was the the lesser liked one. Okay. Uh, He now has the worst approval rating of any president this early into his tenure ever, too. Now you combine those factors with the unprecedented way, as we talked about last hour, his personality just dominates everywhere. You cannot get away from it. It's omnipresent almost. Even on social media, pop culture. I'm concerned about Trump fatigue. Settling in early. We talked about during the campaign, no matter who won, the winner was going to be on a short leash because they had such low favorables to begin with. That's why we spent so much time on this show in December talking about take advantage of the time and window you have now. Hit the ground running now. Be aggressive now. Because you have no idea what this environment may look like for you a year from now. I mean, you look at that Senate map in 2018, or the the Congressional and Senate map. And you see the Senate map specifically where Democrats are running in 10 states for re-election where Trump won last year. And you're thinking there's no way the Republicans can blow that. Well, we started off with Mitch McConnell the day after the election saying repealing Obamacare is our number one priority. Now you got Paul Ryan saying, well, we'll do it at some point this year. That's how you blow a Senate map when you betray the number one promise you've made to your base the last several years. Don't ever count, don't ever challenge Republicans to come up with a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. They are experts at it. So so do you understand a little bit more about why I have this sense of urgency? Because we're, we're not even at the stage of the presidency yet, guys, where things happen to you you can't control. You wake up one morning and North Korea has invaded South Korea. You, and you have no control over that. And now you're on the defensive by circumstances beyond Hurricane, hurricane Katrina-like is hit. And now everything is focused on, focused on that, right? Because it's a natural disaster. People are in harm's way. The, the, the stuff that is just part of the natural cycle of being a president in a fallen world that just happens to you that you cannot control hasn't even happened yet, which is why these ratings are concerning and why I think he needs to be aggressive from the outset and trying to get as much of his agenda done now rather than waiting for two to three years from now. And we have no idea what the environment will be. Oh, and you know, I share your sense of urgency. Uh, I just, we, we talk about the first 100 days for a reason, and right now we're in the first uh, 28 days. But in terms of the specificity, the, what you said about Obama, Obamacare and Paul Ryan is chilling and absolutely asinine. So, yeah, if, if that's the standard... Um, you, you, DEFCON 4 isn't high enough for what you do on this radio show. And Aaron, I think we need to remember that there's millions of Americans who voted for Trump because they didn't like Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. who his, his personality grates on them, too. That goes back to what we talked about last hour, why it is so important for them to have uh, capable proxies and spokespeople in front of the camera in place of him. And, and, and when we look at these strategies, Aaron, we're going to talk about in a second. I'm going to give three things I think that this White House can do. And they're not even like hyper-principled, you know, bring down the thunder from the sky, Steve Dace wish-casting of conservative Valhalla stuff. These are basic things that would keep promises that they could do to change the narrative and win this week. I think the Trump White House would be wise to just take everything one week at a time. Try to win each week 
by itself. And these are three things that I think you want to say something, Todd, that they could use to win this well, one. Well, really quick, there's always a sports analogy. It's like if, if you would have, if at the beginning of the season you had this record, would you take it? Right. Uh, you know, we're, we are now at the beginning of week four. If you knew a month ago that two out of the three weeks you would give Trump and. I think we gave him like an A minus and a B, but it was a, a B or above in the first two weeks. And that's, yes, we gave him an F. But would you take that? I think based on everything we knew, we probably would have because we knew the Fs were baked into the cake. And I guess I'm just trying to sum up where I'm coming from. Not because I, I mean, I know there's disasters are coming, but that's my, what my, that's where I am. And, and then if you watch a football team lose that uh, third week, but then you're concerned about the way that they lost. That's what makes you know an F, like an F minus or something like that. It's sure. the way that the, the, the way that condense, this all went down. You can even condense it more. We'll look at a basketball game where there's quarters, okay? Uh, like a pro basketball game. Second quarter, you didn't box out. Coach made it clear at halftime. You get out rebounded, plus seven or eight in the second quarter. Too many second chance points. Now you're behind. Coach emphasizes at halftime. We got to get on the boards. First three possessions of the third quarter, the other team gets offensive glass. Put back points. What are you thinking as a fan right there? A total joke. See, now this it's not just that week. Okay? When it comes, how I, it comes, I was yeah. mad. When we left on Friday, I was mad about how the week went just because it was a crappy week. When we came in here tonight, I'm worried. Because what are the stories? Flynn, who should have been gone already. Miller, who made rank amateurs look professional. People, private citizens getting close enough at the Mar-a-Lago to take a photo of the freaking nuclear football. This is now where this is where it starts. It, it can if you if 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 you don't get a hold of it, the momentum goes against you, and you yes, lost the game. That's absolutely true. That, so it's not that it was an idle week; it's that it is already. It, it, we're just starting Monday, and it's already spilling over into that. That's where I'm coming from. And Aaron, I think the three things I'm going to suggest here: he needs foils. We, we said this throughout the campaign. Trump on his own is a colossal failure. Even, even people who will vote for him, his personality is grating on them. But if you give him a foil, he's practically unbeatable. And so if you're sitting in the White House political office right now, if you're, if you're right, Priebus, in the White House chief of staff, you, you have got to be constructing strategies to get Trump on offense against a foil. Yeah, and that's uh, that. That's absolutely, especially we talked about this on Friday as well a little bit. I think, especially for the right of center um, people in in the United States, people who consider themselves uh, to be Republican or conservative, whatever. We mostly just like to see uh, clickbait headlines. And and when uh, when Donald Trump has somebody uh, has a tomato can has uh, some sort of enemy to play off of, that really you can do. A, if you're Donald Trump, you can do a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes uh, and not get uh, not get caught into the muck and mire that he is in right now. And my biggest question, my biggest fear with this entire conversation, who is on the outside of the beltway right now who has Donald Trump's ear? Who, who is that right now? I don't know, which is why I suggested earlier in the show tonight that maybe my prior mockery of him being out there on the rally circuit was misplaced, and I think it would be a good idea. Because that's my, that's my biggest I fear. Think, I, I, now, I do think, I think it's a good idea to hit some suburbs, yeah. to hit some rural areas, do some massive rallies, get out there amongst the everyday Americans, and, and, re, and, and just take a vacation and get outside of your own Mar-a-Lago Xanadu and the Washington bubble and rub elbows with some everyday Americans. Yep. All right, so three things that they can do to change the week. We'll get to that next. 
You're listening to Steve Dace. Free the free air while you still can. The Steve Day Show. All right, so three things this hour we're going to discuss. If I was working, in, if I was Trump's chief of staff, or if I was White House political director, here are, here are three things I would suggest we do. And again, a good strategy is what puts the, the object, the policy, or the person at the heart of the strategy in a position to be successful. And that may not be the same strategy for everybody. Trump has his own distinct personality, like Ted Cruz has his own distinct personality, and Mike Lee has his. One of the things you often see with men, and ladies, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Pay very close attention to what I'm about to tell you. Because I can promise you this is true of your man, too, because all men are the same. We are all the same. We're not like you, where you guys are like all different and the same at the same time. We're all the same at the same time. We have different personalities, obviously, but in terms of how we see the world, all men are the same. We walk into a room and right away, all of us, regardless of religion, ethnicity, creed, what's the game? What are the rules? Who's keeping score? How do I win? All of us. Every last one of us. That is, that's immediately what goes into our computer. That's how we see the world. We are all the same. And that's why men, tomorrow, I'm reminding you now, since I brought it up, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Turn off your station and make sure you got your wife's back, okay? You can get this on podcast tomorrow. Don't blow it, okay? So that's my public service announcement. And when she tells you it doesn't matter, Aaron, Todd, does it matter? When she tells you it doesn't matter, Aaron's, Aaron's not married yet. When she tells you it doesn't matter, Todd, does it matter? Yes. Yes. It means it matters even more. Ladies, if he says it doesn't matter, does it matter? No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right? That's how we're different. If he tells you it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. All right? Well, you guys, if you tell us if it doesn't matter, it matters quite a bit. Okay? So, men, turn off the radio. Make sure you got your wife covered. Okay? Now, back to the program. You have to concoct a strategy that takes Trump's persona and strengths and weaknesses into account. The number the number one tactical mistake I see us as men make constantly is we accentuate our weaknesses by trying to deal with them up front. Give you an example. You have a guy at, ch- at your church maybe who is, or is a public speaker on your team who's really smart but isn't a, isn't Mr. Charisma. And so when he gets up there to speak, his, the content he can develop is great. But when he gets up there to speak, he he is no one is more aware. Of his lack of charisma than he is. He's been dealing with it every day of his life. He's more aware of it than you are. All right. So what's he going to do to try to to try and overcome it? A joke. Something to get your attention right away, except it's coming from the same person that lacks charisma. So it comes across as lame, a non sequitur, awkward, and he's lost, uh, awkward, and, and, and he, he's lost you already. Have you guys ever seen this play out? A few times. A few times. In, in, in church. T- yes. Okay. Men like men think they are they are dealing with their weaknesses by leading with them. No. All you're doing is accentuating your weaknesses. That's all you're doing. All right? I work out. Most of my physique's actually in pretty good shape. I still though have a pot belly. So you know what I don't wear? Shirts that accentuate my pot belly. I don't do that. All right. That's but most men want to. Why? Because I don't want to draw your attention to it right away. Most men try to compensate for their weaknesses by going right to them up front and think I'll just deal with it right now and get it out of the way. All you did was actually point an arrow. And now all I'm thinking about is your are your weaknesses. Lead with your strengths, guys. Lead with your strengths. 
So if you're not Mr. Charisma, but you're Mr. Content, lead with compelling content. And find, find, a, find a, a, an audio-visual way to get people's attention with it from the beginning. Don't lead with your lack of charisma. If, you're, if you are Mr. Charisma, Mr. Joke Teller, don't lead with the scientific theorem to show us you're an intellectual. Be who you are. Lead with your strengths. So these are things that, that take into account Trump's strengths. These are not universal tactics. Tactics specifically for him. Number one. He has to be convinced that when it comes to Twitter, timing is everything. If we can't get a handle on this, notice I didn't say get rid of it. Notice I didn't say rein it in. In fact, I don't want to rein it in. I don't. We had that discussion even a couple of weeks ago. I think the collateral damage of even a Nordstrom's is worth the damage he can wreak on his opponents with it. But the key word here is timing. Timing is everything. I think Trump's social media rants during the campaign were like the the campaign equivalent of those redneck fail memes. Hold my beer, watch this. I mean, I think the I, I think just think he did himself needless damage with this all throughout the campaign. But now that he's president, he can change whole narratives with Twitter. Couldn't do that as a candidate. He can change everything we're talking about all day long. He couldn't do that as a candidate. And and when he threatens somebody, he can follow through on the threat. Couldn't do that as a candidate. So, in my view, I think the potential collateral damage of a Nordstrom's is more than worth the benefit of that tool. But the timing is the problem. To that point, has he even been tweeting about the California arrests? I don't know. I've not seen anything of you. I've been on Twitter all day long. So, so here's the thing. I purposely don't follow him on Twitter. And it's not because he annoys me. You know why I don't? Because I want to see what Mm -hmm. he says that gets other people's attention. That's why. That's what I want to say. Um, what Trump needs to do is recognize, again, I'm the president. There's certain things I have to deny myself for the betterment of the overall cause. All right? So what Trump needs is a structured Twitter window. Not where I'm tweeting about Nordstrom's in a national security briefing with an unsecured phone, guys. Okay? Goodness gracious, if Barack Obama did this, do you know what our show would have been like? I mean, folks... Uh, EIB network in the middle of the of the middle of the show Rush would have tapped out after hour one and lit himself on fire we're done America's over guys president doesn't care amateur alright so the timing is everything so here's what I here's what I propose every morning Trump's a 5am guy every morning these are his fireside chats every morning he wants to be informed he likes to scan the headlines he knows what people are saying about him good be informed. You want to correct the record? You want to fire off some blasts? You want a Michael Corleone? Every single morning you want to settle some family business from 5 to 6 a.m. before the official White House calendar begins? That is your time, Mr. President. You may fire when ready. Tee it high, watch it fly. Lock and load. Let it rip. And then the minute white official White House business gets underway, you hand that phone off to somebody else not to be seen again until 5 a.m. the next morning. And these are your morning fireside chats. You set the agenda. You correct the record. You decide what media narratives you want to get rid of, who needs to be taken out that day, and you have, you have, you have set the tone for that day. And then after that, you set it aside. 
and we do this again the next day. Plus, the American people learn on a regular basis they can rely on getting communication from you. It provides some normalcy, some sanity to the insanity, some notion of a structure, some notion that we're not just a, we're not just a walking uh, soliloquy, just a random uh, you know we're just the personification of onomatopoeia. We're not just randomly emoting. And anything could happen at any particular time that could set me off. You just can't. You can't. But I understand, though, you can't turn off who you are, and especially when it's gotten you a few billion dollars and a cover girl, model, wife, and the White House. You probably don't want to turn it off either. (laughs) All right? But on the other hand, there's ways to use it to your advantage. All right? A little bit of timing goes a long way. And so every day, if you want to go Robert De Niro in The Untouchables, and you treat Twitter like he treated that table, and says, you know, a team is only as good as its weakest link, and someone needs a baseball bat to the head every morning at 5 a.m., by all means, rack up the body count. But the minute White House official business begins, you turn it off. Or you set it aside. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Letting the lion out of its cage. The Steve Day Show. All right, three things that I think the Trump team can do this week to get back on offense. We already talked about not getting rid of Twitter. But recognizing that timing is everything. And, and one more thing on this before I move on to point two quickly. The American people have already shown a high level of, 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 of resolve and patience with Trump's ego in electing him in the first place. Why? Because they think they can use your ego, President Trump, to their advantage. They think for all of the things about it that makes them uncomfortable, they think it also may drive you to do some things on their behalf, like arrest a bunch of illegal aliens in California right in the heart. Hey, you guys, you guys want to, you guys want to, you want to Calzic? You guys want to take off? You guys want to leave America? How do you like these apples? I'm going to show up in your backyard unannounced on a Saturday night and just start raiding illegal aliens. How do you like that? That's why they elected you, Donald. That's why, right there. Because they knew your ego would do all the crazy Nordstrom's things, but they thought you'd do this stuff too, and they thought it was a worthwhile calculation given their other option was Hillary Clinton, who would do none of these things and just leave them to fend for themselves, unless they're one of her cherished victim status class of demographics. So they will put up with a lot of your ego. What they will have a zero tolerance for, though, is using the White House to affirm your ego instead of challenging the status quo. They will not tolerate that on any level, and they will turn on you faster than you can say Spiro Agnew. All right. Number two, don't just reissue the immigration executive order with better wording. Have a bill filed in Congress with the exact same language to make it statute. But it includes jurisdiction stripping of the courts. The Constitution grants this power to the Congress and not to the presidency. Have one of your allies, I can think our own man, Steve King, this is, this is his pet issue, right? Have one of your allies file this legislation, lean on Ryan 
the speaker, who we already who we've seen already is completely freaked out by your Twitter account. Lean on him to move this and fast track it through Congress. You want this at a statute level. It's a law, not an order now. A law. Double down. Yes. And the exact same wording. And you want it to have just one additional sentence. There will be no judicial review of this statute. The court, absolutely the Congress is allowed to limit the jurisdiction of the courts. In fact, it can just nullify it altogether if they choose to do so. It does not, however, grant that, that power to the presidency. So bring, so have that issue brought to bear. And if you want a foil, let me tell you, there is no better foil. Unless you can get Meryl Streep to go off for you again. Other than elitist Hollywood star in their, that lives in their own private Idaho gated community lecturing the plebes on just how rotten they have it and how they'd be better off eating cake with Marie Antoinette instead. The best foil of them all right now is a bunch of elitist unelected judges believing they can nullify elections and alter the Constitution on a whim. You will gather all forms of moss on that rolling stone, my friend, who will line up to say, hit him again, hit him again, hit him again. You could go on a tour, okay? And it's not some Mexican judge. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're defending the will of the people. You want a foil? There's your foil. You want somebody to to rail on at your rallies? Who the hell are these unelected judges who think they get to tell us what the Constitution says? You, the people, get to say this. You know what they're going to say at your rallies? Yeah! That's what you need. A foil. They're the ones standing in the way of, a, of, of your immigration policies. Your enforcement policies in a Politico poll last week were plus 17 favorable. And if you know Politico, you know when they asked about, they didn't say, do you, th- do you agree with President Trump's uh, decision to enforce American immigration law? That's not what they asked, guys. Do you agree with President Trump's decision to crack down on migrant workers and, 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 and dissembling families? That's what they asked. And they still got a plus 17 favorable result when they, when they spun the data. Okay, so what do you think the actual data on that probably is? Plus 20? Plus 25? All right, that's far more popular than you are. Use the, use the courts as your foil for this. Here's your straw man, and they're going to serve themselves up right on a silver platter. If you can't beat them in a court of law, then you sure as hell beat them in the court of public opinion. Yeah, and this speaks so far beyond just the issue of immigration. It's going to be a fine. Oh, we're going to be just popping the corn to see what issue you apply to this next, because it's a cornucopia of issues that there's been judicial usurpation on. It's a, I mean, it is a winner. You're just pulling on a thread that can endlessly be That's pulled. That's exactly right. And you can set the stage for taking them on in the future. All right, but to set the stage for that. Have Congress involve Congress in this first. Put this at the statute level. Restrict the jurisdiction of the courts. Pick this fight. Pick this argument. Just like you picked the argument a year and a half ago over the anchor baby phenomenon and you stuck to your guns and you picked a fight on an issue along these lines. Pick this fight. And, and, and frankly, you'll get a bunch of Republicans who will squish out on you. You can use that to your advantage as well. Oh. You, and, and that's how you remind yes. people. Remember how you didn't elect all their other candidates that they nominated, but you elected right. me instead because you thought I was the guy crazy enough to do the stuff you wanted? This is just another reminder of that, Todd. Everybody left and right th- thinks th- this is the one area where Trump may not call your bluff. Call it and just watch the whole deck get reshuffled. That's, that's exactly right. One more suggestion in a moment. In a moment. Listening to Steve Dace.
liberty has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. This is Steve Dace. All right, so we're looking at three ways Trump team can get back on offense this week because last week was dismal. And in and of itself, wouldn't be a problem. Except we're starting to see it already carry over into this week. And, and you have to be careful you don't let the culture palinize you because you can start to see early signs of this. And they can only palinize somebody with Trump's dominant persona if he and his White House behave in a way that validates their palinization. If they act counter to that, the American people have already shown they will reject the pop culture zeitgeist and side with Trump. They'll reject the media zeitgeist and side with Trump. We've already seen this. But, but if you lend them credence, if you lend them credibility by behaving in a way that affirms what they're saying about you, that's when it becomes devastating. Because now you are seconding their motion. So number one, convince Trump that when it comes to Twitter, timing is everything. Use it. Use it for, I mean, if you want to get up, I love the smell of napalm every morning. By golly, hammer away. But it's at 5 a.m. And the minute official White House of Business begins at 6 a.m. Eastern, you turn the cotton picking thing off. It's an unsecured phone anyway. And you hand it off to somebody. And we'll see you again in the morning. But you use this to change narratives, set narratives, settle scores, intimidate people. Whatever you want to use it for, fine. I'm all for that, actually. Because I think you can. I think it's to your benefit now as president when you can follow through on stuff that you can as a candidate. But, but if you're going to just use it indiscriminately now, now is when it's an untrained weapon. And it's just as much, you, and it's, it's, it's as damaging to you in your hand as it is out of your hand. Okay? So structure that. Number two, don't just reissue your immigration executive order with better wording. Have a bill filed in Congress with the same language that makes it a statute that also includes the jurisdiction stripping of the courts, which Congress can do and the president cannot. All right? Here's the third. Issue the Religious Freedom Executive Order. Now, I know on the surface, some of Trump's people are going to say this is the worst time to do this. We're on the defensive on so many areas right now. And the last thing we need to do is go to war with the Rainbow Jihad. You have a bigger problem than the Rainbow Jihad right now. And that is slippage in your own base. Your own base is beginning to take notice. You haven't lived up to your promise on this. For example, last Thursday, a consortium of pro-family groups, including the family leader that we have on our show every week. A consortium of pro-family groups from all over the country sent an open letter to both the president and the vice president saying, hey, in light of uh, Mr. Pence's troubling comments last Sunday on this week, uh, we want you to keep your word. Right now, Trump needs to get a loyal base behind him. A lot of the era of good feelings after the Gorsuch nomination, that was less than a week ago, guys. Doesn't that seem like that was last month? I mean, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, do. I mean, does it seem like that was last month? That was six days ago. Six days ago, we sat here and thought that was as good a political stagecraft as you could probably pull off. And now it seems like it was a month ago. It was six days ago that they nominated him. This is the point I've been trying to make all night. This presidency, because of his personality and what and, and the people we are as well, where we're very fickle, it's going to age in dog years. All right. So he needs he, he his base is already fraying on this. Because he's and the comments and the messaging they're giving on it is not helping. Repealing the Johnson Amendment doesn't cut it. That is a nice gesture, but the truth is, it is a minuscule number of churches. I think it's two, ever that have lost their nonprofit status because of politicizing. In fact, the past few years, there's been an effort from Alliance Defending Freedom called Pulpit Freedom Initiative, where they have lined up pastors and priests all over the country who one Sunday a year 
openly preach a political sermon. They tape it. They send it in along with the transcript of the IRS. They did this to challenge Obama. They wanted to draw him into court and point out that this whole thing is a straw man. It would never stand up. And even the Obama IRS did nothing because they they knew they would lose the argument. The Obama IRS never, ever did anything with these politicized sermons. Never. The Johnson Amendment is really a fig leaf for cowardly pastors to have an excuse not to do their damn jobs. That's really why it's there from a political standpoint. Repealing it would have a negligible gain on religious freedom in America. What's really needed is protection from the rainbow jihad's quest to force believers through the coercive power of government to buy into the new moral order and betray their own morals. That's where the protection is needed. As a businessman himself, Trump, how weren't we just talking about losing Nordstrom's? As a businessman himself, Trump should be very sensitive to people losing their livelihoods because of their political convictions. He should the the order should point out. In fact, if I were writing the order, I'd never mention the word marriage. It would not be in the order, and that's coming from me. The order would say, we cannot have a peaceful, cohesive, pluralistic society if we go down the road of targeting folks' ability to feed their families over their political disagreements. That will not happen in America. That's about that's a more transcendent, that's a more uniquely American thing. The issue of marriage transcends time, space, eternity. This notion of what it means to be a peaceful, pluralistic society is uniquely American. We're the first ones to ever pull it off. And one of the ways we pulled it off is there's a rules of engagement. Not even the mob rolls up on your front door in front of your kids and puts a 38 in the back of your neck, okay? There are some places we just can't go otherwise we can't function the whole thing will come undone if we're going to start telling people because of your political positions you can't make a living that's the end that's the, that's the, that's that led zeppelin is when the levy breaks and that's what the executive order is going to say and here's when you release it friday five o'clock eastern time that's when you release it all right Friday or six o'clock Eastern time, six o'clock Eastern. You don't want to fight the rainbow jihad all week. Cool. Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You, you slap that puppy down. Have a nice weekend. We'll see you Monday. Monday morning. Yep. Tweet storm. 5 a.m. Yep. And the whole new subjects come up. Doesn't matter what. That's exactly right. See what I'm see what I'm doing here. 5 a.m. on Monday. You decide whatever. The airing Festivus every day. You decide what grievances need to be aired. And it'll be like you never. The rainbow jihad will forget that you even will not. The, the media will have forgotten that you issued this order on a Friday because we're off to whatever is the next rabbit to trail. Those are the three things I would do if I were running the political office. Or if I were the chief of staff in ways to set my president up that I'm working for to be successful. When we come back, I want to let you guys finish out the hour and tell me your viewpoints, questions, comments, insults. Do you think these three things are possible? They're in this order specifically. To me, number one has to happen. If, if they don't get a handle on number one, it will be his undoing. All right. He, this is where. Uh, this is this is where Hulk smash does become I, I can't turn it off so now there's nothing left I'm just smashing to smash they have got to get a handle on his Twitter usage and that's why I have it number one but I want to know what you guys think about the rest when we come back Listening to Steve Dace.
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Steve Day Show. All right, so you guys' thoughts. I set out to come up with three things I thought he could do that played to his strengths, that were reasonable accomplishments that would not require uh, trailblazing new ground, going out on... Well, I mean, every time you do anything good, the left's going to lose it. But I mean, something we all would objectively say, hey, this is, you know, uh, this is trailblazing. Three simple, doable things that get them back on offense, issues that are his strong suit, and put the other side on the defensive. I He needs to fight back, but on the issues. That's where he can win. Todd, your thoughts? Well, number one, nice try. God bless you. Never going to happen. I wish it would, but I just, I just talk about not being in his persona. Not there. Number three, of course, I love it. You know, I love this. This is what I was begging and pleading for with sweet cakes by Melissa uh, back in the day. This is a, this would be a only Nixon could go to China moment. I mean, there's no way you could paint him as Mister Churchy Churchy theocracy. It, you are right. This is pure Americana. This is about allowing business to survive. You don't need to. You, not that we're ashamed of mentioning God, but you don't need to mention God. You don't need to mention church. You don't need to mention marriage to make this have all the force and. power power that you need to be con- the, the cons- to be living in the constitutional republic we need to live in to survive i love number 3 I think uh, I, I think this is all accomplishable, uh, if that's a word. Uh, I think this is all uh, this can all be done. And I'm going to say this many, many times. I think during the Trump administration or while he's in office, the people who are surrounding him must must know who and what Donald Trump is. And they must let that impact how they lay strategy out for Trump. And what I mean by that is they must understand that Donald Trump is, I mean, you, I, I, there's no other way to say it. He's an egomaniac. At the end of the day, at the bottom line, he wants to know, do more people know about me? Do are more people in awe of me or are more people supportive of me than not? You must lay out every single bit of strategy in that light. And you must be able to convince him that if you do this, if you go on a tweet storm during an intelligence meeting about Nordstrom, people are going to have this reaction and people are not going to adore you, Mr. Trump. And you, you must lay things out in that light and be able to at least have a prayer at convincing him to change his behavior. Because the only thing that can make him change his behavior is if he sees at the end of the day that less people adore him than not. You have to understand who and what he is. Right now, less people adore him than not. Um, and, and that's where we are. And we're in week four. And we're not at the point where the stuff just happens to you in the most hostile uh, pressure cooker in in the world, the presidency of the United States, the stuff that just happens to you because of the the fallen world hasn't even happened yet, and we're already in this lament. Okay, so the American people don't have the attention span to last at this pace of four years. Up down, up down, up down, up down. They can do up 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 down down, up 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 down down. They can't do up down up down up down. They can't do that, guys. Can't. So, we, so if it's not these three things, it's going to have to be something. Something that provides some normalcy on a more consistent basis. You're listening to Steve Dace. You 
are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 3 of the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. It's our final week. Don't forget, it's our final week here with Salem. Starting February the 27th, we move to CRTV. Use promo code DACE to get your discounted subscription now. CRTV.com. Promo code DACE. You'll be able to watch us each and every day on CRTV, along with Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Mark Stein, and Steven Crowder. CRTV.com. Promo code DACE. Beginning February 27th. It's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, indeed, it is time for three questions. Our producer, Aaron, he grabs the wheel, pulls out that learner's permit, says, here's my beer. Hold it for me and watch this. (laughs) Three questions on any three things. Nothing is off limits, but he has to answer the same questions himself. Thank you, Steve. If all the things that had happened in the first three or four weeks of the Donald Trump administration had happened in a vacuum and you didn't know who the president was, you were told these things would happen two years ago, who would you assume the president would be? Wow. Um, I might have... You want to answer this first, Todd? You look like you're eager to jump. Oh, it's a great question. I'm, I'm, I'm sorting through the... The 17 Republicans in my mind right now. And, and we always operate under the assumption that Hillary would be their nominee. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you would have told me that the incoming president has a 40% approval rating week four, I could have bought that with Hillary Clinton, knowing how disliked she is. And we said from the start of the campaign, the one thing that it seemed the American people wanted to avoid, if at all possible, was voting for another Clinton or another Bush. That wouldn't surprise me. But the way that we would get to the 40% approval rating... The antics, the, the the parodies, the things we've seen. Guys, you know I'm in the prediction business. Um, I'm actually pretty good at it, but I make too many of them. So sometimes people forget the ones I've made that actually turn out to be right on the money. I, I don't know that I could have predicted this. I, I don't know how I could have forecasted it. I, I In fact, I think if I would have rolled this out and said this is what I think would happen... Uh, I would have been drug tested. I, I don't know that there's another personality that we know of in politics that would have been capable of producing the four week roller coaster that we are on. I, I just don't. Do I think it, do I think there are other people who ran who could have been as unpopular early on as he is right now? Sure. I think Hillary for sure, for example. But I, I just don't believe that I, I know of a figure whose personality um, and, and and could have possibly been elected, Todd, President of the United States, whose personality could have produced what we are seeing now. I, I just can't think of someone. At his most verbal, I could see Chris Christie. That's who I was. But I can't about. see. Okay. Right. But but in totality, I, I can't see him pulling off the immigration issue. 
So I, I'm the same. There is really we are struck. There's no replacement. I mean, this and Trump is Trump. There, there's nobody who compares, which is why we were waiting for somebody to overcome him, and and nobody did. I mean, we've just learned that this is a, it is a force of nature, and this question, it, while an excellent one, and I tried hard, but it's moot. Yes, it is moot. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going with Chris Christie for the same reasons. I think he, he might have done might have done some of the the good stuff that um, that Trump has uh, has done just in the same manner as repaying those who supported him but at the same time I, I don't think even Christie is as um, prone to get in his own way but then again he's you know he's uh, under investigation still in New Jersey uh, question two this is from listener Brian Cattell. and by the way if you have a question you would like to have considered for uh, consideration or for asking on three questions you can email Aaron at Steve Dace. Dot com. Brian Coteau asks, I was wondering, since Steve and Todd have kids coming of age, do they have any thoughts about a rite of passage into adulthood for their son or daughters? No, I don't specifically. I guess I really haven't thought about it. You know, I had a friend a few years ago who um, did something really cool when his son turned 13. Uh, his oldest son turned 13, and he brought a lot of men he respects in to help him celebrate his birthday and talk about uh, what it means to be a man, and I was a part of that, and that was really cool. But um, one of the things, and I, and well, it wasn't that cool, Steve. You didn't emulate it. Here, here's one of the things that I'm concerned about because of who I am and what my personality is and what their dad does for a living. I am very concerned about contriving things for occasions, um, and, and when I, and contrivance is sometimes that people just take that to always mean a bad thing. It sometimes just means planning something, coordinating something because it's hard for my kids to get a, get away from who their dad is and what their dad says and what their dad does. And in my case, I probably overcompensate to the other side of let's just chill out. Let's just relax. Cause you know, that whole thing we talked about earlier in the show, concern about Trump persona being so dominating it exasperates people and they get sick of it given i have that kind of personality and then you throw in it's what your dad does for a living you can't get away from it and and so in my in my household we are really big on um on just not doing things like that and only because there's a constant concern of we go to church because it's what my dad expects of us, not because it's what we believe. And then they grow up, become adults, and they, you know, hate their dad. And we've all seen this movie, written this, read this story before. We know how it ends. So um, we are really hesitant about doing things like that. You know, last night we had some fun. We pulled out the family videos. Zoe and I'm sorry, Noah and Anna's birthdays are in the same week, just uh, six years apart. We pulled out the videos and watched those and had fun with it. But that's sort of how we do it. It will be relaxed, unplanned, spontaneous, so that they don't have to feel there is some occasion, some 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 vision uh, that they have to live up to all the time because of who their dad is and what he does for a living. So I'm we're, we kind of go native on that stuff. Yeah, I basically agree. I mean, there, there's when dating comes along, that whole, yeah, that won't be a rite of passage. That's, that'll be that'll be a vetting. There you go. Yeah, that'll be a form of it. There was one recently. There's many rites of passage that goes on. My daughter, seventh grader, my oldest, had her first kind of. You know, she's at that. She's 13. She had to write a paper, and it's clear based on the curriculum, it was steered in a particular 
direction, uh, wasn't getting much help, and she kind of mailed it in on a paper she wrote, and she had me look at it, and I said, I just said, well, you know, what do you think about this? And she said, yeah, yeah, I just, and I said, no, no, I said, you, you never. I don't care if you get an F on a paper, if you believed in it and you send it in, despite what you thought the teacher was going to think or say. I said, you can, she was up late, two hours late. She did it over again. I said, you learned something? Now, hey, I, I said, I, I I did that. I mailed it in at a much older age than you're doing now, so I get it, but this is never going to happen again. You're going to rewrite it? You're, she came back. She got an A. She aced it, and I said... That, that's cool too, but you you believed in what you did. Yeah, I see. I, I like that. I mean, I've looked for spontaneous areas. I mean, when the Noah movie came out a few years ago, and you knew it was a total hack job, and I think it was 13, 14 years old, I took her to see that movie because I wanted to see her how her worldview would react to it, right? And but but I didn't I didn't tell her what the movie was about. I didn't say there was hey be on the lookout for this. No, I just I just hey we're doing a daddy daughter date. Let's go see this movie, and I just sat back and watched and wanted to watch her reaction on her own and. Let that develop on its own. Or like this morning, you know, when she got up to go to her homeschool co-op over on the other side of town and uh, she had to brush off her car the, the, um, for the first time and she came in and said, that's the first time I've ever do that. We look for those sort of spontaneous rites of passage because when you when your dad does what I do for a living and has the personality that I have, Aaron, it's it can be hard to almost to not get suffocated by it. Yeah, I, obviously I don't have kids yet. Um, I, I think at least for my um, sons in the future, and this takes a lot of, uh, of course, thought and, and planning and probably reconsideration down the road. Uh, by the time they're 16, which it, when I was 16, that was the, that was the time that you could get a, like a legit part-time job working at a maximum of like 29 hours a week, something like that. Now you can even work full-time too at certain jobs. I think when a son turns 16, I'm um, I'm going to make uh, make him get a uh, make him get a job and start paying rent. Not exorbitant, but I'm I'm you know I'm going to teach him because at least for me that first legit part-time job that I got completely changed my views, especially towards my dad as as far as work goes. Uh, changed uh, changed my attitude towards work in general, and I think it's a, a really important thing for uh for at least for guys to do. Uh, question three: If you could spend a week living as a new character in an existing sitcom who would you be and in what show i gotta think of what sitcoms are out because i I don't watch any of them i I just don't um i know kevin james is a new one around i don't even know if it's any good so i'll just i like you i I like him so i'll just go with him uh, i guess because i don't watch any of that stuff i was watching a rerun last night how about weird neighbor and everybody loves raymond (laughs) that's a good how about the guy never showed his face wilson (laughs) on home improvement maybe i'd be that guy that's a good one Listening to Steve Dace. How about we try that whole life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness thing again? This is Steve Dace. Now for something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. Indeed, it is the Nightly Buzz. We go back, take a look at some of the stories, issues we missed from earlier in the show that we just didn't have time to get to. Courtesy of our producer, Aaron, who has noticed what's trending at the water cooler at your work on your social media. That's right. He knows what you're looking at right now. You always feel like somebody's watching you. His name is not Rockwell. 
It is Aaron. And it's not the NSA either. And he's got the headlines. We have the hot takes. Thank you, Steve. First story, a small research group has entered the debate on voter fraud, siding with academics who estimate the large numbers of non-citizens illegal reg- illegally register and vote in U.S. elections. Just Fact was founded in New Jersey 20 years ago by Brown-educated mechanical engineer, has released its findings as President Trump was setting up a task force on voter fraud headed by Vice President Mike uh, Pence. Just facts in uh, President James Agresti said, quote, contrary to the claims of certain major media outlets and fact checkers, a comprehensive analysis of polling data, election records, and government in- investigations shows that many non-citizens vote illegally in U.S. elections. To me, well, to me, this is, this is a simple thing when you have Jeff Sessions as your attorney general. And you have the full resources of the federal justice justice department at your disposal. I mean, I, I would think if this was true, this would be a priority thing to verify and to clean up, because Lord knows if it is, it's a political winner for Trump to go down this road either way. If if just by looking at it, even if nothing comes up, uh, I mean, he can keep the issue alive because it's an issue that motivates his base more than it motivates the other side's base. It puts the other side's base on the defensive, puts his base on the offensive. And then if it then if certifiable data comes out and and there is some certifiable data. I mean, there was a a Michigan's uh, canvassing of their elections. What did it found like 60 people or something voted twice or something Mm -hmm. like this? But that's that is that's in that's 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 smaller than infinitesimal when it comes to the overall outcome. So it's not that there's a lack of evidence. It's just that there is there does the evidence point to it can alter the outcome in some way. I see this not being a political. I don't, I don't see how it's a political loser for Trump at all, unless he doesn't invoke the, uh, the the Sessions Justice Department, and then it just looks like it's a caricature issue, and it looks like race baiting, and it looks like it's pandering. Then it becomes a loser. But if they actually activate on this in the Justice Department, I think it's a political winner for him. Yeah, and, and just be grown-ups about it. Say, well, that's what I'm calling for. Yeah, yeah. W- when but was the last... I'm not sure that we're capable of that. <laughs> yeah, when was the last time we we just did a full buttoning down, full vetting? Things have changed in, in terms of technology as well. You don't have to all frame it in terms of uh, illegal immigration. We are just going to do a holistic review of our voting because it's the responsible thing to do. Uh, and you don't make it overtly political. The left won't be able to help themselves, though. Again, uh, Steve, you're right. It is a win-win yeah, so if you, you do it right. So you don't play into it. Yeah. Don't play into right. it. Let them let them look like a bunch of uh, butt hats over here in the corner. There you go. And just tell the attorney general, stand up, investigate this, and report back to me. That's all. Yep. And then and then you strategically leak things in friendly media when you come up with stuff to keep the story alive, right? That's how you play the game. All right? You don't respond back uh, with infantile tactics remarks and, and rants against department stores when you're being attacked by infants. You act like the adult in the room. Next story. The majority of Americans who identify as religious say they favor allowing gays and lesbians to legally marry and oppose policies that would give business owners the right to refuse services to same-sex wedding ceremonies, according to data compiled by the Public Religion Research Institute. Well, I don't, I don't know what the Public Religion Insti- Research Institute is. Do you know? Never heard of them. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, it would not surprise me people who consider themselves religious would have an external form of religion uh, without having um, the true characteristics of a relationship uh, with their creator, 
Uh, that's been going on since uh, the dawn of the age. And I'm not one of those people, oh, I don't believe in, I have a religion, I have a relationship. I mean, it's, Christianity is a religion. But it's a religion of relationship. Okay, I mean, when when people say I don't believe, I don't have a religion, I have a relationship. Let me tell you what that means. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. What it means is I love this Jesus guy. I just don't think I have to actually keep any of his commandments. That's what it actually means. Okay, but but Christianity is a religion, but it's a religion of relationship. It is not a religion of rote behaviors, codes, uh, processes. It is a religion of relationship. You you per, you practice sacramental love through sacraments. All right. If you're a Catholic, you have a longer list than you do. If you're a Protestant which in many cases is baptism and communion. But why do you do these things? Not to curry favor, but it's the same reason you bought your, you're buying your wife flowers tomorrow. All right, because it's a relation, it's, it's, a, it's a ritual of love, of a relationship. Um, and I, I, even though I've never heard of this, this group. I've been around for about eight years. Okay, yeah. even though I've never heard of them, frankly, their polling data is probably a lot more accurate than 86% of Americans calling themselves Christian stock. Well, and... The number roughly rings true to me because I think there's two groups of play into it. There is the leftist Christian group that you've already laid out, but there is a more conservative group that's more libertarian. Like they, they, it's definitely wrong, but yeah. I just don't give a damn. Do whatever you want to over there. Both groups are problems, but they're very different that's groups. That's a good point. I agree. Can I call an audible here uh, related to what uh, Todd just said? I, I, was, I was actually talking to a guy that you've debated before this weekend, um, uh, Steve, about – and he's got the libertarian view on marriage that uh, – the government should not be defi- uh, involved at all in marriage. Uh, what, in your nutshell, is uh, is your take on this? Because we haven't addressed this uh, topic. That's quite. a long conversation. <laughs> so it's not a not- it, nutshell. I mean, I, that would require an entire worldview Wednesday. I mean, um, and both sides of this are wrong. I mean, when when the idea that the that the meaning of life, go, Steve. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the one group who says the federal government has to be involved. Well, and and, it, and you're somehow a heretic if you think it's a state's issue. The, the, there's no, no one's ever gotten a federal marriage license. The reality is if we had never done the Defense of Marriage Act, if we had never done that, we would not be in the position we're in today. <laughs> Isn't that remarkable? That is the reality of it. If we would have just gone for... In a, now, Why is a serpent? If we would have just gone for amending the Constitution or nothing and just kept it at the state level, we would not be in the situation... They would probably just be getting their momentum that they have now had a 10-year head start on us because the Defense of Marriage Act is what gave them standing to challenge your state marriage amendments in federal court and take us down this road. That was a, that was a tactical blunder, and it was and and I wasn't around the movement at the time. I don't know what the thinking of it was. Even Ron Paul, Mister Ultimate States Rightser, voted for the Defense of Marriage Act that was signed into law by Bill Clinton. On the other hand, this idea that we're going to have that government's going to governments every everything in our in our form of government practically everything's determined by marriage, your tax status, your uh, family status, uh, spousal privilege in a criminal court. There is no form of American jurisprudence that is not, not touched upon by the definition of marriage. I, I don't know how in the world you would get government out of it at this point in time, given where we're at. I mean, while I might be in favor of going to a pre-18th century view of how marriage is regulated or not regulated by the state, you're taking that's a multiple generation process. Right? It's not just as simple as we just go get um, lap band surgery and drop 100 pounds in a month. And so in the, in the meantime, you're going to let people who use, going to use these decisions to trample on other people's liberties. So that position's a cop-out, too. You're listening to Steve Dace. 
lock and load. This is Steve Dace. So what is behind the battle over gender in our culture that is raging now? And where did this battle even come from? It, it just seems like a lot of us feel like we just woke up in an America and we thought, you're using what bathroom? You, you think you're, you're one of how many genders? I mean, what exactly is going on here? Ashley McGuire is with us. She's got a new book about this topic. It's called Sex Scandal, The Drive to Abolish Male and Female. And we welcome her to the show tonight. Ashley, how are you? Hey, it's great to be with you. It is good to have you with us as well. And, and let's start there. You know, where did this battle begin, Ashley? You're a little bit younger than me. I'm in my early 40s. And uh, when when the marriage wars were raging early in my career, uh, about a decade or so ago, and, and we, we had won 31 consecutive elections on that issue. And one of the things I kept pointing out to people that I would debate uh, on my show or elsewhere around the country on this issue is that when you're arguing for the redefinition of marriage, don't don't be shy or bashful about what you're really arguing for. Because you're, if you're denying that he created a male and female, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one, and the male and female become one in order to form another one. That's not the only role of marriage, but it's its primary role, the perpetuation of the species. When you, when you say that we can change that device's definition, what you're really saying inherently is gender is irrelevant. That's what you're really saying. And they would bristle at this. I, I would have leftists get mad at me, call me names. You're making a slippery slope argument. That's not what we're for at all. And lo and behold, here we are about a decade later, and that's exactly the argument they're making. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, in my book, I argue that actually this goes all the way back to the sexual revolution. And I think actually it was it was feminists who who have pushed for this idea that um, gender is a construct, that we're socialized to be a certain way, that society has socialized things such that men oppress women. But what I argue is that, ironically, when you strip away sex as an important part of who we are, all you're actually doing is is making it easier for women to be taken advantage of. Because for starters, how can women actually make any claim based on their sex if sex is a made-up or a meaningless label assigned to us at birth by ominous doctors, um, and gender is just this whatever you make of it. Let's discuss the feminist angle to this, because I'm fascinated by it. A few months ago, this topic came up at our house, and my teenage daughter had read a story about a guy who had won prom queen um, because he claimed he was transgendered at a school. And her instant reaction to this was, man... Are you guys taking that away from us now, too? We don't even get prom queen anymore. I thought we were, I thought, you know, I mean, her her perspective on this was, uh, I, what is the point of this? If, if there's not things that make us uniquely feminine that are uniquely for us, and the men get a hold of that as well, then then where does, what, what does feminism even mean? That's what she was asking me. How would you respond to that? Well, she's got great instincts. And I'll give you a very alarming example that just in the last couple of years, has been taking root, and that is this idea that even um, pregnancy is not like a uniquely childbearing, childrearing is not a uniquely female thing. Um, two examples, you have last week the British Medical Association come out and say it's, it's rude, it's un-PC to call pregnant women pregnant women. Instead, call them pregnant, no, expectant mothers. Instead, call them pregnant people. 
And then you have, and, and use the phrase chest feeding instead of breastfeeding because we want to be inclusive, whatever that means. And then you have in the United States, the Midwives Alliance of North America starting to use the phrase birthing individual instead of pregnant women, which ironically is actually sort of sexist. Like there's something sexist about calling a pregnant woman a birthing individual, like Mm -hmm. it's your job. But no, I mean, it's true that what ends up being taken away in the gender neutral society are the things that are distinctly female. And that's what's so ironic about all of this is that it's the feminists who have pushed for this But what you end up having is less recognition for women and their unique contribution and their unique needs. We're talking with Ashley McGuire tonight with the Catholic Association. She's also got a brand new book out titled Sex Scandal, The Drive to Abolish Male and Female, including an endorsement from our fellow CRTV personality, Michelle Malkin, and and why this is an important issue. Because, I don't know. It only represents the fabric of existence itself. Other than that, other than that, it doesn't really matter. Other than this is the very fabric of existence itself. There's really no need to carry on about this or overreact to it. Uh, But we'll do so nonetheless when we come back. Listening to Steve Dace. Bruce Jenner's favorite program. Call me Caitlin. This is Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network with Ashley McGuire of the Catholic Association. Young millennial writer, which actually means she's an adult now. I'm just getting older. Her brand new book, Sex Scandal, The Drive to Abolish Male and Female, which, of course, as we pointed out before the break, is, is really only the fabric of our very existence as a species. So maybe this wasn't about feminism. Maybe because it would seem as if 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 women have unique needs, if they are a unique species and the scriptures say so. I mean, I I don't know of another holy book in world history that grants individualistic creation status being made in the image of God to women as it does men. I don't know that that exists in any other religion. If that's not if if that's not if, if that's not what feminism was about, then then tell me what it was about that this because this clearly was a ruse. Well, I think what happened is feminism got <clears throat> misguided. It went off the rails, and it, it assumed, especially starting in the sexual revolution, this idea that the way you achieve equality is by stamping out the difference, and you make women more like men. But that's what's so ironic, is that when you're when you're trying to make women more like men, first of all, they're going to fail. Our bodies are different. Our, our physiology is different. Our emotions and our hormones are different. And and by the way, we're the much more vulnerable sex. We just are because we are the ones who can get pregnant. And a woman who's given birth is is in an entirely different 
state than a man, you know, even than her own husband. Um, and so what I argue in the book is for this equality that we're always talking about between the sexes, we have to start with our differences because we cannot achieve equality when we're at the same time trying to deny that there's anything different about us. You're a millennial, so I know you run into this. Uh, There is a rising core, uh, and we were just talking about this before you came on tonight. There is a rising core of of people on our side who claim to be more libertarian-minded, uh, and, and, and it's not unique to your generation, but I think it is, it is, it is dense, uh, densely populated in your generation. This idea that, uh, we can somehow have smaller government and less regulation and never have to deal with any of these moral issues at all. What would you say to those folks about why you can't ignore an issue like this? Well, I would say because a lot of what is moral in society has to do with addressing and acknowledging people who are um, more vulnerable, you know, like a lot of morality that's, you know, regulated into law has to do with making sure the strong can't take advantage of the weak. Um, And, you know, the abortion issue is a perfect example of that. Our side is saying you can't just resurrect or, you know, enshrine into law this idea that just because one person is stronger than another, they get to end that person's life often for purely selfish reasons. Um, And I think this, you know, applies to this issue as well, is that you can't, um, you know, we have to, there's something moral to men doing the right thing by women, whether it's, you know, taking care of them and marrying them when they have children. Um, But we've actually reached a point where, and abortion has enabled this, where, you know, it's purely social, it's a purely social choice for a man to decide whether or not he wants to have any part in a child's life that he helps bring into the world, and the woman is the one who gets stuck with all the work. And what's crazy is that the left and the ideologues and the feminists are actually celebrating now the fact that four in ten households are run by single women, never mind the fact that they're more likely to be in poverty, never mind just the hardship of being a woman alone trying to raise a child or children. But our culture is sort of celebrating these perverse things. And I think, you know, in the libertarian world as well, there's a little bit of a sense of, well, if they can do it, more power to them. You cite in your book a university or a a study of universities and colleges in Massachusetts. And and it says 81% of reported rapes and sexual assaults took place in a dorm versus 9% in houses and apartments and, and, and 4% within fraternities. Why is that germane to this discussion, Ashley? Explain. Because almost all dorms now are mixed sex. This has become, I mean, colleges, I think, are a really good sort of ground zero for seeing how this plays out. When you take the approach, the sexes are no different. Um, Let's just put them all together and act like nothing, you know, there's no difference between the two. And, and, And then add alcohol into the mix. And what you have is a rampant rape issue. You're, desc- and, you're describing a cauldron, basically. Exactly. And so I find it, again, ironic that on the one hand, you know, these schools are fretting about what to do about this rape epidemic. But on the other hand, they refuse to even look at, and in fact, I even talk in the book about Harvard University going and actually banning single-sex clubs, so just social clubs for women on the grounds that they're going to make women safer. And what what they ended up having happen 
was the women protested because they said, you're taking away the last place on campus where I feel safe, and you're doing it in the name of equality. And what was so crazy is that Harvard actually accused those women of being sexist, even though they were saying it was because of their own vulnerabilities based on their sex that they wanted those sex-segregated spaces. I mean, it's sort of like an Orwellian mind game to try to sort through it all, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to solve a rape problem by putting, and now you've got colleges, I, you know, it's germane to the book because you have colleges now talking about co-ed dorm rooms hmm. and, and already there's co-ed dorm or co-ed bathrooms in these dorms. So you have men and women showering together and then everybody wondering why are women being raped so much on college campuses? It is an inherent uh, characteristic of progressivism that the groups it claims to help the most, its policies end up hurting the most instead. You can Absolutely. learn more about that in the book Sex Scandal, The Drive to Abolish Male and Female. Ashley McGuire uh, is our guest here tonight. Ashley, thank you for joining us and tackling this topic. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. God bless. You too. Now we'll talk more about this after the uh, break, but between Todd and I, we have six daughters. And you can see this again. Uh, with this is a this is a re, this is a repeated malady of progressivism. It hurt the inner cities more than it helped them. It hurt the black community more than it helped. And now it is diminishing the value of our, of our daughters rather than elevating them. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. to Steve Dace. Drain the Swamp, the Steve Dace Show. Well, as we close this out here tonight, let's talk about what we learned from this conversation with Ashley McGuire. And I mentioned, Todd, you and I, between us, we have six daughters. And so we are watching, uh, essentially, the diminishment of their femininity. Uh, and, and there's really no reason for them to be uniquely feminine at all now. I mean, they really have no unique inherent value at all. In many respects, we're, we're, uh, the progressives are doing more for the patriarchy than the patriarchy could have ever done for itself. Uh, and the permutations of genderlessness are endless and i was confronted head-on with another example of it in a very weird way uh yesterday uh it it was getting towards the end of the night and the family was all sitting around and uh we were uh, some doing homework and channel surfing a little bit and i saw oh the end of greece is on my sixth grade daughter for a winter play is just about to sing songs uh from greece and she asked if had we seen it before and and so it was about the last 20 minutes we turned it on and and uh, showed it to her and you know this is steve you're very familiar with greece and it's Mm -hmm. Kind of a uh, squeaky clean girl c- goes rogue a little bit, but it's it's a, ultimately it's about uh, in order to attract a guy who goes more squeaky clean. Exactly, in order to attract the, her. At the end of the day, it's about getting rid of ridiculous tribalism and what you know real love can be. But there's everybody's coupled up just as couples are supposed to be. But on the commercial, I didn't look at what channel is on, and if you're it's on Freeform, oh, which boy. used to be ABC Family, and the commercial. I'm comes glad on, they changed oh, the name so they could stop lying it, about that. Oh, this is. This is an agent of the devil. I didn't have the remote control in my hand, and my daughters are sitting around, and there are two women in um, their underwear, and they're making out. And all of a sudden, Greece, Greece looks like it is a 
you know, a parable from the Bible about what true love right. is. That, that looks old-fashioned. I remember when I was a little boy, I learned things I didn't previously know about, courtesy of Olivia Newton-John's leather outfit at the end of that movie. Yeah, right. And 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 you weren't sure if you're, you know, you watched the other room, you weren't sure if mom and dad would want you watching this. You're right. Now it looks like a, a youth ministry show compared to what goes on nowadays. It was it was a remarkable, and that, I was saying this out loud, basically what I just said to my my daughters and my, my wife, but it's absolutely true. that there, there was still you know, you could only push so far. People mm-hmm. realize that you, the rubber band will break sooner or later. Real love is still at the end, riding off into a sunset, man and woman truly beholden to one each other. Now, all bets are off. Yeah, the thing that I learned is um, men may have, men, all men do. All men have blind spots. We have our areas of weakness. We all do. But for the love of all that is good and holy, freaking protect your daughters, your wives, and your mothers, and in those in, in your sphere of influence, be like Todd, be like Steve. I mean, they they will be the first to admit that they, you know, they have their own issues, but they are doing, they are uh, setting examples for their daughters and their, you know, the women that are around them as well. Your job as a man is to protect them. Do it. Well said. We'll be back at it again tomorrow night. Until then, John three seventeen. Listening to Steve Dace.